Welcome to another episode of Pussology. I am Justin Goodrum, joined by, by Matt Thomas, and in video form. What's up, Matt? What's up, man? How's it going? How's it going? Good. Uh, just back from vacation. I want to like publicly thank you for holding down the fort last week. Um, really appreciate it. How was hosting the show solo? It was uh, lonely, but uh, <laughs> but it was a lot of fun too. <laughs> We had a had a good time putting that together, so it was it was a good time. But it's good to have you back. Well, thanks, man. And we're not alone. We have a special guest. Um, he's one of our long um, longtime friends. Um, great knowledge of basketball. Um, his name is Josh Coon. He joins us um, from his lovely home in Fort Collins, Colorado. What's up, Josh? How's it going? I'm good, man. I'm actually Durango, Colorado, but. Those oh, two. that's right. So, I get that confused. I always get that confused. Yeah. You're not the only one. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm great, though. I'm excited to join you guys. So, yeah. uh, Josh, give us kind of your background with the NBA. Like, what kind of started your kind of love affair with the game and why you still remain a fan? Oh, uh, yeah. Like a lot of young New Mexicans, I was convinced I was going to be a UNM Lobo um, as a child. <laughs> and uh, didn't quite pan out in middle school, and I ended up being a really good runner. So uh, stuck with running. Long story short, and um, but hoops was always like just always watched basketball. I was obsessed with the Bulls, with the Suns in the early '90s. Um, and then um, moving into the seven seconds or less Suns with Nash, uh, as you guys know, my <laughs> Steve Nash, <laughs> all-time favorites. <laughs> Yeah, so, uh, I mean, I've pursued, uh, I love running, I've made a career out of it, I coach Division II cross country, and then also teach at the school, um, um, so, uh, but hoops has just always been there since I was a kid, and in another life, my next life, that's where I'll, the path I'll go down, <laughs> so. Awesome. So, on today's show, we're going to break down, as you might expect, the NBA Finals, and I think a surprise, I, um, I don't know about YouTube, but I was expecting a sweep, um, a thorough domination, but the Miami Heat have made it interesting. So we'll break that down. Um, we'll also break down television ratings as well. Uh, Matt and I have talked about this um, a couple of months ago, and um, it's occurred again this topic just because of the NBA Finals, so we'll discuss that. Also, um, Doc Rivers being fired um, from the Los Angeles Clippers. And um, him, you know, ending up in Philadelphia. So we'll break that down. And then also we'll um, get your thoughts, Josh, on just kind of the bubble teams and what you've thought about the nun, the Nuggets and Suns. Um, we, we know your history of both those teams. Um, you're a big fan of um, kind of both those squads. So we'll get your thoughts on that. But first, some housekeeping notes. Get in touch with the show uh, through Facebook and Twitter by typing in Hoochology Pod and leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, positively or negatively, um, that's really going to help us out. I'm also sending us an email at hoopsology at gmail.com. So let's get into it. Um, the NBA Finals, um, as of this recording, uh, we have an off day between games. Um, game four will be um, Tuesday, um, October 6th. And to my shock, um, led by Jimmy Butler's 40 points, um, the Miami Heat will not be swept um, as of this recording, it is two games to one, um, the L.A. Lakers. So I'll let you guys take it away. Um, what do you think of this NBA Finals overall? It has a weird vibe to it. I'll fully admit I've dismissed the Miami Heat. I've picked against them, I think, every single – I think – I'm trying to remember the first round, Matt. I don't know. I think I might have picked the Pacers. I'm not sure. Um, but for sure, after that, I picked against them every single round. Um, so what are your thoughts on this finals? And this kind of ties into the ratings, too. Are you satisfied with kind of the levels of games compared to years past? Or are you kind of um, still enjoying uh, what's been going on here? Josh, go ahead. Um, you know, the Heat have been, to me, what I appreciate about uh, what I what I, what attracts me to a team is when a team plays like a team, when they're unselfish, when they share the ball, when they seem to genuinely like each other and the heat check a lot of those boxes for me. Um, so I'm not surprised they didn't give up. They seem like they've kind of had a little bit of a chip on their shoulder and, um, like nobody expected them to get here. So, um, not surprised they didn't back down even with Dragic out and bam out. 
uh, two of their key guys. Um, you know, so they're pros. They're supposed to show up, uh, not bend over and not back down, you know? Yeah, and it's kind of felt a very Jimmy Butler in that Jimmy Butler performance in game three. I mean, we knew he wasn't going to go down without a fight at least. It was kind of cool seeing that he had those 40 points and didn't have any three-pointers made. It's yeah. kind of like a really old-school style performance uh, for him to get those those 40 points. But look, it, it feels to me like the Heat were asleep for the first two games, and certainly you have to imagine there was some kind of letdown a little bit in Bam and Dragic going down. So maybe they kind of, uh, you know, sleepwalked through those first two games or so. It took them a little while to get amped up. I mean, this Heat team has relied on aggressive play throughout the, the course of the postseason, and they really just weren't doing that the first two games. But in this game three, we see they actually, uh, for the first time, I would say, won the three-point line battle in this series, which is something that they should have a clear advantage of. Um, over the Lakers and then they also surprisingly won the game inside the paint like they were just able to get in the paint more points in the paint than the Lakers even Uh, and the Lakers just turned the ball over made a lot of mental mistakes so I don't I'm not confident we're we're going to see a really exciting back and forth series but at least this brings something to the table and shows that the heat still have that, that will to fight. I mean, they're not, they're not going down quietly at least. So it's, it's good to see signs of life from them for sure. If the heat win game four and the Lakers is end up winning the title, um, will it be kind of embarrassing? I mean, I think it's just, it's a massive mismatch. I mean, just on paper and for the Lakers just to give up two games is that going to hurt LeBron's legacy at all, or is this, he's just going to get a mulligan just because they're in the bubble? They won the title. Doesn't matter if it's you know game six or it goes to game seven. It's irrelevant. He's still the the NBA champion. Or do you think this will reflect badly on his legacy and also maybe Anthony Davis as well? And that's for either of you guys as well. Go ahead, Josh first. As far as if you said if the Heat were to yeah, win if this? the Heat. Well, if the Heat just even still, you know, another game in this series, and if it goes, to, you know, yeah. to Game Six, um, do you think it will hurt kind of LeBron's legacy? LeBron's hardly judged, so you know, I him winning the title, um, I don't think it's going to be good enough for some people. So if the Heat make this competitive, um, yeah. do you think it kind of taints the Lakers winning the title if they don't utterly dominate the Miami Heat because there's such a mismatch between both teams? Oh, LeBron, LeBron's under a microscope that isn't entirely fair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I've been uh, on the other end of that occasionally. <laughs> um, I think we'll look back in 10 years and be like, my Lord, what were we watching? Because um, mm-hmm. his prime is longer than any other prime. So, no, I, I mean, the Heat are a good team. If, they get, if the Heat get Dragic back, I don't see why they don't win another one or two. Um I mean, taking it back 10 years ago, Dragic put up 27 on the Spurs in the fourth quarter um, in a playoff game. Like, you know, so they're, they're, they're probably a better team than people realize. I think LeBron's teams are just expected to waltz. It's like if he doesn't waltz to the title, he's a failure is how he's judged. <laughs> <laughs> and that's yeah. not that's not fair. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> uh, yeah. So because we, we romanticize Jordan like. We forget the times he lost and a hundred percent. Yeah. It's just, we forget those memories. It's so. Yeah. I mean, there, there's nothing LeBron can do to avoid criticism. I mean, aside from, you know, scoring 50 plus points the next two games and, you know, just dominating in, in that type of like video game, like fashion, uh, even then somebody is going to have something to say, especially with him being on the Lakers now. Um, but, you know, there's there's still a lot of question marks in this series. I mean, we don't know if Dragic is going to be able to come back. We don't know if and when Bam comes back. Is he going to be a help or a hindrance? Where are these guys at with their injuries? Those types of things. So so I do think it's 
it kind of stacks the deck against LeBron in that sense. Like, like I think you're kind of getting that Justin is, you know, this, this roster is depleted, even though, yes, it's, it's a nice roster. Lots of nice pieces is depleted. Why aren't you having an easy time with this LeBron? But I, you know, I was actually okay with the criticism that I saw thrown at the Lakers in game three after game three, I think it was pretty reasonable. They, they rightfully pointed out that, you know, Anthony Davis didn't really show up like he had shown up in game one and two uh, in game three. So I, I thought it was actually pretty fair. I I think at the end of the day, if if LeBron wins the series, he he's fine overall. Yes, he's going to have that that criticism. Uh, I do think them being the favorites and he in a lot of series, he hasn't been on a team that's been the favorite going in. So, so there is maybe a little more pressure in that sense. Um, but the accolades are starting to build up. I mean, you heard a lot of people saying, you know, even just on his arrival in his 10th finals, you know, people are giving him a lot of credit for that. And I, I think rightly so. Yeah. If, if they lose the series, there'll be some criticism. I, I think rightfully so with a wingman, you know, a sidekick like Anthony Davis, but it to this point, I, I'm actually impressed with how fair it, it seems to have been. So um, we, we record once a week, so this series could be over uh, by the time we meet next week. So if it is, um, if the Lakers do pull off this win, what are going to be the ramifications for the Miami Heat specifically? I mean, this is a dream run for them. Um, they have a good young core with a competitive leader like Jimmy Butler, do you see free agents being attractive there? I mean, do you see the Miami Heat being unexpected power? I mean, a lot of people are saying Brooklyn, you know, Milwaukee, Philadelphia. Miami, the Miami Heat may come out of nowhere and be the power in the Eastern Conference fairly easily. Um, do you see this being kind of like a course correct for the Eastern Conference, or do you think this is kind of like a fluke? and things will go back to normal next year. Go for it, Matt. I, it feels wrong to call it a fluke, but sure. there are a lot of weird things happening, no doubt. And I don't know that you're going to get a second chance against Giannis like this. I, I don't know that that team isn't going to grow to a higher ceiling. Uh, also, we don't know what's going to what's going to be with the Nets and Josh is Steve Nash uh, coaching that squad <laughs> next year. They time to be, you know, at least the top three seed. I think most people are thinking, uh, assuming, you know, Kyrie and KD are healthy. So I don't know that this opportunity will present its, itself to the heat again. I've I wouldn't write them off as as no chance of this happening again. But I do think their window shrinks a little bit next year is is kind of the perception that I have. And that's no disrespect intended at all. But, you know, Jimmy Butler is going to be 32 next year. Dragic, I think, is a year or two older than Jimmy Butler, if I'm not mistaken. Um, right. So, so yeah, so I think the window is probably shrinking. You know, it's going to be a lot less likely, I think, next year that they're back in this position. I don't know. What are your thoughts, Josh? I mean, did did the East? I mean, the Bucks were the favorite, right, most of the season. I but really so. looking back, it doesn't seem like there was really any favorite. Um, you know, a couple more different tips and Boston's here, and it it feels like it's a just a very equal side of the league right now, even with Giannis. Yeah, it was kind of like a three-headed monster, like the Celtics, the Raptors, and the Bucks, and and a yeah. lot of mixed opinions on who that was yeah. going to be it's true. I don't know if that is like an indication of competitiveness or um, an indication of maybe like lack of, of depth or an elite team compared to the West. I, I'm not sure. You know, I think a lot of people ex obviously expected a lot more out of the bucks this year. Yeah, for sure. Um, is any other thoughts um, in terms of the actual basketball um, you guys want to relay maybe the way, um, the presentation looked compared to years past, or do you want to move on? As far as the bubble? 
Uh, just in terms of how the NBA Finals, you know, there's kind of like a regalness to the NBA Finals compared to the rest of the playoffs, let alone the regular season. From what you observed, do you, I mean, does, did it feel like the NBA Finals to, to both of you, or was it, did it feel different just because of the circumstances we're in now? Yeah, I mean, in, in uh, 2020, nothing feels normal <laughs> sure <laughs> amen <laughs> get a read on you know when i'm watching you know nba i don't i coach cross country which is a fall sport and i know that the nba and that are never in the same sphere um so everything's just crisscrossed and mismatched i i've loved the bubble i kind of like the stripped down nature a couple of professors i work with have talked about like it just feels more pickup ballish more less commercialized less over the top um I, I know it is but it feels more stripped down to me and i've i've liked that um and a couple other professors i've talked to on campus have said that's appealed to them and we can't really put our finger on what it is but just that it feels a little more stripped down and raw and they're just sitting in a hotel and hooping um you know yeah. <laughs> they're not filming commercials they're not jetting across the country um so I don't know. Do you, does that make sense? It does. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, I feel you because just, you know, with the sounds um, in terms of how the court is, in terms of just, you know, hearing just trash talk, of course, it's going to be blurred yeah. out for, you know, cussing. But besides that, it has more of an authentic feel to it. Um, I've really seen other sports and other entertainment uh, mediums use piped in crowd noise and it sounds terrible but for some reason with the nba it sounds right it's weird um so i don't know if it's the nba doing a good job or i'm not exactly sure what it is but it just feels right and i think um from a presentation standpoint the nba and the nhl i don't know if you ever watched any of the stanley cup playoffs but it, did, it, yeah. it looks pretty visually appealing um with the circumstances so i think overall i think they've done a pretty good job yeah, maybe it's that the arena is an easier environment for them to control um, and just just feels a little better since it's it's indoors compared to like seeing an empty baseball stadium or an empty uh, football stadium or, you know, even even a 20 percent capacity football stadium. Maybe it's it's not as jarring for us to tune in and, and look at the NBA finals. I, I will say that I do kind of miss knowing that the the travel schedule isn't there like the the two games and then okay we'll see you in miami for game three um i i don't know why i don't know if that's just a nostalgia thing for me uh and seeing like the different scenery especially like at at the start of the game when the camera is is panning in or you got the goodyear blimp or you know whatever um i i do find myself kind of missing that but in terms of the atmosphere of the game um, and Justin, you and I have talked a lot about this. I, I think I do miss the fans a little bit in the finals, but it doesn't feel like similar to what I was just saying. It doesn't feel like as much of a gap as it does with other professional sports. Gotcha. And um, one more thing I, I, I neglected to ask. Um, LeBron walked off the floor be, before the game was actually <laughs> over. Any any kind of signs towards this or do you think this is kind of like a you know media twitter um blown out of proportion situation or should we take this seriously oh it seems ripe to make something massively dramatic about it so <laughs> <laughs> that's what we do with lebron right <laughs> yeah that's true yeah I, I think he wants us to talk about it. I, I think he's he's okay with that, or he wouldn't have done it. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know much to do about nothing. I, yeah, no. yeah. I don't I don't think it affects any any game outcome or anything like that. And it's you know it's the last ten seconds of the game. You, even if they end up not getting five players on there and forfeiting, the <laughs> the result is is the same. Uh, just kind of kind of bizarre, but. I don't know. Not not that big of a deal in uh, the grand scheme of things. Gotcha. Okay, then we'll we'll move on. Um, the NBA Finals um, ratings are down, and this is something that uh, Matt and I have discussed pretty much since the bubble has um, begun. Um, and this weekend was especially just strange. I mean, just the state of the country. Um, I mean, we had really two issues happening at once. I mean, Donald Trump got 
And then just from a sports standpoint, I mean, it's Sunday night football. And that's always going to draw huge ratings, even if it's two terrible teams in the NFL. So um, in game two, this is from Fox News, um, was watched by six, um, by almost six million viewers by Nielsen data um, down from game one um, and, you know, down from last year's um, NBA finals as well. So, Josh, I know you had some kind of thoughts on this and. I kind of want to get your perspective not only on the NBA Finals, but overall um, the bubble as a whole, because Matt and I have had extensive discussions about this, and I think we want to pick your brain regarding D1. Do you see the um, social justice aspect of, of the players being a contributing factor as to why the ratings are lower? And then two, if it is, is it worth it in the long run considering what the players are overall doing for the greater good. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm teaching sociology of sport right now, which is the best class in the world to teach. Um, so we've been talking about this and uh, I think, I think it's inc- so cool that the players voices have been amplified and like they're, I would imagine um, they're tired of being treated like just our entertainment objects when they've been on the receiving end of of mistreatments and just unfathomable things. Um, who's the guy in the Bucks that had an incident with the police? Um, oh, Sterling Brown? Uh, I'm blanking. Yeah, let me look I think that Sterling up. Brown. So, so this is down. personal for some of these guys, and they've known it people. Is. And, and uh, so I think it's incredible that the league and I think it's very savvy of the league to give them that voice. I've seen the criticism of the ratings is and I, I know people that are saying they're tired of sports being politicized, which is basically just entertain me. I don't want to hear your views. Um and, you know, that goes back to the old um you know, we saw it this summer in the Jordan documentary, like when uh he wouldn't get involved in politics, you know. Um but anyway, uh, the NBA, going back to David Stern, is has I from what I've seen is thinking way bigger than the United States. Um, like they're they're a global brand. I went to Cameroon five years ago in West Africa, um, and I've never seen more NBA jerseys than mm. in Yaoundé, Cameroon, the capital. Like just yeah, you know, millions of people, and I've never. We were in these cafes with dirt floors and flat screens with NBA highlights on loop um, from the night before. Um, you look at NBA Africa. President Obama's investing in that, creating a league there. Like, um, you look at China. That's a whole other podcast, I think. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you guys have touched that one yet. <laughs> oh yeah, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> like David Stern and Adam Silver, I think, are playing the. They were, you know, David Stern passed, um, but they're playing the long game on the NBA and trying to create it and turn it into a global brand and so and bigger than America, at, at least from my, you know, watching the more than any other professional sport. It feels like they are trying to um, to make they're playing a really long game in my mind. And and it's win-win because it's the right thing to do to give the players the voice but also like the commitment of those players i think that they're going to see that from the league that they're cared about as human beings so who gives a shit if you lose money um in my mind (laughs) but also too i think they're playing the long game for brand and for marketing and um with entire continents that aren't north america so yeah (laughs) Go ahead, Matt. Yeah, for sure. I, yeah, I, I agree with what you just said. I mean, every everything they're doing with their actions indicates that, like, like you said, they're they're playing the global game. They they've been working uh, a long, long time uh, since since the '90s, really. Um, and and I would say since even before the '92 Dream Team, they they've been working on expanding into that that global market and being you know more more like soccer than the nfl um so 
I, I think they're continuing to do that. You know, my, my question, and Justin and I have talked about this a lot on the podcast, so I, I don't need to um, regurgitate necessarily opinions that I've had. I, I've definitely, I'm, I'm always pro free speech, et cetera. Um, so, so, you know, I'm happy to see the players voice their opinions, things like that. You know, my question would be is, you know, for next season, will, and this is something Justin, you and I have talked about several times, like next season, do we continue with the messaging on the court? Do we continue with the messaging on the jerseys or do we not? And I, and I consider this, you know, as I'm asking this more from like a business perspective, because I, I don't think these issues are, are going away anytime soon. So, um, so I don't know, do we, do we continue with, I mean, basically like a, a political activist sports league, which, you know, if, if that's what you want to do, that's, that's your business. You have every right for sure. Um, do we continue with that or do things go back to, um, you know, not certainly not forgetting or dismissing the issues that they're talking about that are very important that we flesh out. Um, but, um, I mean, do I, I wonder how Adam Silver feels looking at these ratings and, and if he thinks more like good riddance, so to speak, like because this is for the greater good, or does he think, um, you know, okay, we've given the players much more of a platform than, than they've ever had. Do we continue with that, or do we kind of try and um, you know, maybe bring back some folks that they've, they've alienated. And, and I'm not sure. I don't, I don't have answers on that. That's what I'm going to be curious to see over the next, the next season or two. And Justin, Josh, what are your thoughts? Yeah. Um, so to clarify, Adam Silver was on um, ESPN with Rachel Nichols. He stated that they're not really looking from a uh, commissioner perspective to, um, keep having the names on the back of the jerseys and Black Lives Matter on the court. Um, they said, he's basically said, paraphrasing here, it was a moment in time and somewhat things would get back to normal. So I'm very curious from a player perspective if that will be the case. And I think it's going to reflect badly on the players if they do cave into that. Just because with these social issues, I mean, with coronavirus, we hope that it's going eventually we'll, our lives will get back to normal. Um, huh. Racial injustice doesn't really work that way. It's going to be systemic probably, you know, I I might be a, a pessimist, but probably forever, unfortunately. So uh, for me, I want to ask you, Josh, where, where do you see the players going from here? Um, do you think they should just stand their ground and kind of have a strong stance as to always have some kind of social justice message on the court and then still have the names on the back of the jerseys or at least do it, you know, one month out of the out of the season. You know, typically the NBA have different themes. They do uh, one month Chinese New Year. The other month is um, the environment. One month is Black History Month. Um, do, do you see maybe the names on the back of the jerseys um, being part of that? Um, where do you think the players, like Matt said, uh, it's a tipping point now um, after the season is over. Where do you think the players should make their stand? Yeah, man, that's, that's difficult. Um, you know, I think the league this year was probably really trying to get across that we have your back, like we're with you. We're, you're not just legs with lungs here to make us money, you know? Um, and I think the players were serious about walking. Um, some did sit out, you know? Uh, they were on the front lines of a lot of the protests, and yeah, I think this is um, not just a political issue; it's it's personal for most of these players. Like it's it's real; they live it, you know, in ways that I don't understand. So I, I'm guessing they come to some happy medium of, um, yeah, you know, you mentioned like the month or where the um, they focus on certain issues. The NBA one of the things I appreciate about it is it always seems to be more progressive and it's not just about entertaining us necessarily. Um, you know, it's not, I don't know. It's not, I'm trying to think how to put this. It's definitely been a more, uh, forward league as far as, um, just think 
connect, connecting sports and society, um, in my mind, more than other leagues. So, uh, difficult to see what that'll look like next year. Uh, I can, I'm not sure where to go with that. That's a good question. Um, I want to ask you also, is it from a, you mentioned earlier in terms of politics and sports, keeping it separate and that kind of leans partisan and, you know, some people's minds in terms of, you know, that might be a conservative point of view, but I've heard, you know, come some liberals who are for the black lives matter movement say that as well in terms of they don't necessarily want, you know, to watch players on the court in terms of, you know, Black Lives Matter passes it to, you know, I have the right to vote to, pass it to, I can't breathe, uh, passes it to, you know, some other social justice for the layup. Like, yeah. you know, they, they don't necessarily want to see that either. Um, so do you see overall this bubble as an experiment in terms of maybe that's not the best way to go in terms of maybe so overtly in your face? Because people do use sports as a form of escapism um from societal problems and i think sometimes it kind of gets i don't know pushed from a kind of it gets i don't know stereotyped as a conservative perspective in terms of you know only conservatives don't want politics in their sports where hey people just want to have a beer and watch lebron dunk for 45 minutes or whatever um so overall you know, as we progress, because, you know, with this, you know, pandemic, there doesn't seem to be a solution anytime soon. And with the seasons working, I mean, Adam Silver talked about the next season starting on Christmas. I mean, that's not a yeah. lot of time. So no. it could be in another bubble scenario. Do you think that, do you see any kind of negatives in pushing um, these social justice messages um, through next season as well? Um, you know, I, yeah, we, yeah, we, this is a classic, we talked about this in, in sociology of sport for years on what are athletes here to do for us? Are they entertainers? Are they here to win? Like, is the play there? Is it gone? You know, that just, um, it's big business, you know, big business. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and I'm sure the heads of these leagues are looking at bottom lines and, some days going, oh, wow, um, you know, what's our salary cap going to be now? Or, um, But I, I think at the end of the day, the the guys, you know, and you, I'm with, I've uh, met conservatives and liberals that don't want sports politicized too in the last six, six eight weeks, um, which has uh, been pretty interesting to listen to. They just want to sit down and have a beer, like you said. and um, But these people are humans too. Yeah, like <laughs> I think we forget that. Like they've, they are, uh, um, they're living. Ex- you know, they 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 were on the front lines. A lot of the protests. So, um, I think the league would be wise to support the ones that are playing. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I think over the long haul, that's gonna be a, a smarter game for them. Um, just both as uh, being decent human beings, but also the bottom line, like taking care of the people in front of you, number one, is going to, um, in my mind, put out a better product. You know? um, thinking as a coach's mind, the people right in front of you, they're the ones that matter. Adam Silver wants those guys happy. Like, he, he wants them content. He wants them um, feeling like they're um like they matter you know and i think maybe it's uh I, I, and that's that's what i see in the bubble with all with the uniforms with the the courts with um arenas as voting sites like to me it's a league telling its players you matter um so and i, I don't know have we seen this historically something like that like um um, in regards in, in regards to what exactly? Like a, a league, an entire system shifting to take up a, a cause. Uh, I don't think to this extent. Think so. yeah. yeah. I mean, this is unprecedented um, in many regards, whereas these guys were employees before, and it feels like they're they're using a little bit of their leverage and their heart and their care for 
the issues of the world to say, hey, we're not just employees, we're we're humans too, and there's causes we care about, and you know, um, we're not gonna stay silent. So, um, you know, you asked about long term. Yeah, just long term effects, just. Um, and Matt can chime in on us too in terms of the ramifications of this, you know, possibly turning fans off for good um, in terms of, you know, seeing this every single game. Granted, um, you know, in terms of the, the coverage, um, you basically to see it on the court and on the jerseys, you don't necessarily see it in terms of the packages um, during, you know, halftime, whatever. It's mostly focused on basketball uh, now that he's gotten deeper into the playoffs. But, you know, there's been some, you know, hostility towards this. Um, and it kind of echoes what's happening with, you know, the NFL was started with Kaepernick. I mean, there was a slight rating step there. And now it's been a vast, it's been really just highlighted here. I, in my opinion, I think there's other factors to consider with the ratings dipping also. I mean, the Miami Heat, there's no really star players. Um, the bubble's been a weird situation this weekend. And, you know, like I mentioned earlier, we had, you know, the president, you know, for the first time in, I think, our lifetimes, you know, in serious medical trouble. So there's all these other factors that come into play besides just a social justice, um, you know, movement affecting people's viewing habits. However, you know, as Matt pointed out weeks ago, you know, viewership data points to, you know, um, just the audience dwindling just because of what the bubble has represented so far so i i I just wonder about the long-term consequences of this yeah you bring up a good point on just the all this everything else going on (laughs) there's a couple things in the news sure um i i I think though i truly think they're playing the long game because most of the world isn't white yeah so just very they're very i think they're savvy here So let me let me say just a couple points and I'll I'll try to make these quick so we can move on to another topic if we feel like it's one one thing that's just a reality is we're in an election year. I I think the results of that will probably determine a lot of what what happens next, to be honest. Um, The the other thing I'd say is. lost my train of thought here sorry um oh when when we had the boycott um there was a meeting that the players had justin you and i talked about this where patrick beverly got really contentious with michelle roberts uh the players union representative um but basically in that meeting they were carving out like okay here's what you stand to lose if if you guys walk out on the rest of this season um, now, I'm not saying that 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 discussion in itself, we know that there were like concessions and, you know, access to to voting uh, polling stations and, and things like that. The arenas opening up and being used for polling centers. Um, but I do think that is impactful when when the players see that uh, money talks. And, and I do think, um, you know, I, I also think realistically the impact that these players are looking to make from where they came from or neighborhoods that they know of that they want to improve. The reality is that having more capital helps them in those, those endeavors. So, so I think, you know, you don't want to cut your nose uh, to spite your face, you know, so to speak. So, so I think if we see when the next CBA comes up, if we see a significant dip in the overall salary cap, money talks. Um, and I know maybe that's kind of cynical to say, um, but that may also, um, make, um, make things a little, maybe less, less vocal in terms of the presentation, like on the court, on the jerseys, things outright like that. Now I'm, I'm not sitting here saying that's right or wrong. I'm just saying that, that the money talks, that is going to be a factor. Um, so, so I think those are those are two things that we have yet to see that are that are coming up. I mean, both in the immediate future, like next month, and um, I believe in two years or so is is the next CBA. Um, you know, the the numbers that we're seeing, uh, and, and I I certainly don't buy that this is a hundred percent politics based, but we did see like game two 
a 70% decrease from the ratings compared to last year is, is what I saw uh, in some reports. Now, look, like like you said, we had a lot going on with the, the headline news uh, in terms of our nation. Uh, we had we just have a lot more competition sports wise than the NBA is is used to dealing with as well. So I think there are a lot of confounding factors with this being 2020 and everything. Um, but I, I do think um, Adam Silver has has a really tough job to do next season because I do think you want to keep as much of your viewership happy as possible in that the reality is you are you are a major global business. You want to try to keep as many viewers as possible, but do that in a way that your players feel very respected and heard. Of course, you have to that's the difficulty being a commissioner today in the NBA is you got to figure out that strategy. Um, and I personally, I do think things will be toned down a little bit next season. But again, maybe that also depends a lot on what happens uh, between now and possibly December, or January, whenever the next season launches. Sure. Um, did you guys have any other um, thoughts on this subject before we move on? Some valid points, Matt. Follow the money. And a lot of, <laughs> Do we a lot always of, say that? It's true. <laughs> a lot of areas of this world uh, that that explains a lot. Yeah. Yeah, that's totally true. Um, let's move on to some coaching news. Um, Doc Rivers, what a week that he had. <laughs> um, basically being let go from the Los Angeles Clippers. And then uh, three days later, he becomes the coach of the Philadelphia 76ers. So um, I'll let you two <laughs> take it away. I mean, we've seen Doc Rivers' track record from, you know, winning a title with Boston and then kind of his struggles with two iterations of the L.A. Clippers, you know. I mean, this fourth kind of try here with the 76ers, I mean, I mean, right now he's kind of one for three, right? He had the championship in Boston and then, you know, two tries with the Clippers, both I would consider failures, and now we have a similar situation with Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, right? I mean, both players with different challenges that they have to deal with, and Doc Rivers is expected to fix it. So what are your expectations? Do you see him being kind of the missing piece, or it's going to be kind of the same status quo? I mean, what do you what do you make of this? And Josh, you could take it. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> um... You know, are the Clippers cursed? Yes. Like, <laughs> isn't that kind of the answer there to this? <laughs> um, and, then, and then my second thought is, I feel like losing to the Nuggets is what did it. Like, if he'd have lost to... There's, the Nuggets are a team that just the rest of the country is like, oh, you lost to the Nuggets? Like, you know, they're not a historically dominant team. They're not a... Um, big market team so it feels to me like you know somebody like Steve Ballmer is like what you're losing to Denver come on like <laughs> with all these players I gave you like <laughs> uh, and yeah the the talent and the supporting cast on that was you know they had fair expectations in my mind um, absolutely fair expectations so um, but maybe uh, they're cursed so Josh, do you like the fit of Doc Rivers in Philadelphia? See, I don't know what Philadelphia's plan is anymore. Do, <laughs> <Yeah>. do you guys? <laughs> I, yeah. I've always said Ben Simmons is overrated. I've never seen the appeal of him. I don't get why people think he's going to be the next LeBron. It, it's never made any sense to me ever since he's coming out of LSU. I don't understand. I'm open to hear reasonings why that's the case. But seeing him play, I think he's a good third player on a team, a good supplemental like player on a championship team. But to, to be the focal point, I don't see it. Whereas with Embiid, I do, even though I think he's lazy and can be out of shape. But I, I've seen that he has the ability to, you know, be a perennial all-star and, you know, to carry a team to a, a title. I think it's possible, but um, – I just, with Ben Simmons, I don't understand the fascination with him. So I'm right there with you, Josh. I don't really understand what Philly's doing, to be honest. I thought when they had, like, Sarek and Covington and, like, when they were still at the end of the process, 
they were the they process had the squad. I missed the process. <laughs> and then they kind of like <laughs> traded the process to try and get stars. I mean, probably overpaid for Horford, um, yeah. who's a great player, but at the end, you know. Um, so I just I'm not entirely sure what their their goal is. You know, Doc's to me a great coach. He's got my total respect. Is he's got a great track record. A lot of coaches would love to have his track record. Um, so, but uh, I just I'm a I don't know what to do with Philly, and I'm with you on Simmons having a lot to prove. So does anyone have a better agent than Doc Rivers? I mean, going from the Clippers right into the Sixers. I mean, this reminds me of like Mike Brown getting fired from Cleveland and then getting hired by the Lakers. And then he had, I don't know, maybe like two or three years left on that deal. And he goes right back to Cleveland. Um, so it was just getting paid by Cleveland and the Lakers simultaneously for like eight years straight, at least. <laughs> um so you go, there are all these reports, even a report about Kawhi Leonard this week having tons of chemistry issues with the team on the Clippers. So you go from a team with chemistry issues to another team with major chemistry issues. I do think at least, so I'll, I guess I'll start with the positive in that Doc Rivers does have that that respect that players have for his name. He does have that title ring that he can show off from uh, from 2008, right, for, for the Celtics. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I do think that is appealing to someone like Joel Embiid. Um, but I think you look at his track record when he doesn't have Kevin Garnett, and it's, it's full of playoff disappointments. I mean, like 2015, um, when the Clippers dropped it against the Rockets, um there's i think there were like justin we talked about this last week i think there were like six instances where doc rivers was leading a playoff series three to two or three to one even Mm -hmm. and his team was eliminated um so i i do kind of wonder from like an x's and o's standpoint like are are you hiring a guy right now that is a little overmatched and and i agree with you josh i i think doc rivers is a great coach but I'm not sure that he's kept up from the X's and O's perspective with someone like Coach Spolstra or Coach Popovich, even maybe a better example of someone who's been in the league a long time. And, you know, even though the Spurs didn't make the playoffs this year, I, I don't think anyone thinks the league has passed Coach Popovich up at this point. He's he's still innovative. You know, the talent just isn't there like it used to be. Uh, with San Antonio, I, I think most people would agree. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I'll just say bluntly, I I'm not a big fan of this doc hire to the 76ers um, unless it inspires Joel Embiid to be the beast that that I think all of us think he can be. If it inspires that, then then great. I'll give it give it my blessing, give it a thumbs up. But for now, I I. I'm unimpressed. Um, I think it's a it's a big get in terms of a name. I just don't know that it's going to lead to actual playoff results. I mean, yeah, Justin, uh, what do you think? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'll keep it short. I agree with both of you. I like Doc Rivers. I like what he stands for. He's a player's coach. I respect him a lot. I I just unless there's some miracle worker, I just don't see Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid working. Um, I just think it's oil and water, and again, I've always thought Ben Simmons is overrated. I think, like you guys said, the Al Horford contract is terrible. And I the Harris just, one is worse. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, just they got to get rid of one of those. Sorry. Yeah. No, I feel you. No, you're right. It, it, to me, they did it make some just weird moves. I think is out of desperation. Like that Tobias Harris, like you said, Matt. I that didn't make any sense to me. Like, why they sign this guy to a bunch of money? Like, it, I, I didn't understand the move at all. And I think it's proved dividends to their players. It was a shortcut they took at the end of the process. Yeah. <laughs> they yes. ruined the yes. process. A terrible <laughs> shortcut. Yeah, for sure. It's going to be interesting. Um, it's going to make for great drama. So I'm all for it. <laughs> In terms of a drama perspective, it's going to be it'll be entertaining to watch. But um, if you're a Sixers fan, I, I have some bad news for you in terms of the expectations involved. Um, 
before we wrap it up, Josh, I want to get your thoughts on on a couple of things. Um, Matt and I know you're huge fans um, of the Phoenix Suns and the Denver Nuggets. Can I give your thoughts on both teams? I mean, I mean, your team's had a stellar run in the bubble. I mean, you must have just really, truly enjoyed it. So kind of break down both teams, your favorite moments, and I guess your kind of, uh, I don't know, expectations for next season because I think, at least with the Suns, it had to come to a little bit of a surprise to see them make that type of run um, inside the bubble. If next yeah. season is in the bubble, you got to feel good about the Suns, right, Josh? Nah. <laughs> Aiden, no. <laughs> yeah, they ended with a win. How many teams finished their season like that? <laughs> yeah, that is true. Yeah, I mean, the Suns have been terrible for 10 years. I mean, Robert Sarver is as bad an owner as James Dolan, or at least, you know, 1B to James Dolan. Um, just, oh, God, like, just a... a <laughs> A horrible team to be a fan of. I don't know how else to put it since, you know, Nash covered up a multitude of sins there. Like, he made everybody better. He was their floor general. Like, truly, um, you know, him and D'Antoni had a great a great thing, and they I think they covered up the owner's um, silliness. And uh, we've seen what 10 years of Robert Sarver leading things has done, you know, even when he jumps in as GM. So, um it seems like hiring um, James Jones as GM has been just tremendous. He's well respected around. He's got cred with the players, and then Monty Williams as coach, like a coach that's totally respected around the league. Um, like Robert Sarver, maybe finally, like made a couple of good moves, <laughs> and uh, and and the guys from what I read and could tell really bought into Monty Williams. Um, they had some injuries early. Um, they started out really well, and then, uh, you know, Aiton and his drug thing, golly. Yeah. yeah. Oh, come on, man. <laughs> come on. Um, <laughs> uh, Luca is passing you up. <laughs> and, uh, right. but, uh, you know, it, it's, you know, they weren't. Uh, for next year, you know, I don't know if the playoffs are in the, They're not an easy out anymore, and it seems like they have a foundation now. I don't know if they're a playoff team, maybe a 7-8, but they're – they're at least not an easy out, and they're less of a joke. And I think James Jones and Monty Williams have, you know, hopefully Robert Sarver is, you know, doing his banking stuff or whatever and leave the team alone. Um, so, so, but, you know, I lived in Denver for nine years and watched a ton of Nuggets games, and um, my boys are obsessed with them. And they're, shoot, they're just fun right now. Like, how can you not love Joker? I mean, like... Mm-hmm. You know, from his like eight-hour Pokemon phase <laughs> that he brags about to like <laughs> drinking an ungodly amounts of Mountain Dew, uh, and then total and totally getting in shape in in the quarantine. Um, but him and Murray just seem to jive well. That team just seems to really like each other, which I told you is one of my criterias for fandom: just selfless, sharing the ball. Um, you know, them and Michael Porter Jr. They're average. They're all. I think it's 23 years old is their average age. Um, like they're babies, and they're yeah. <laughs> they came back three one on two teams. Like, um, you know, I I think you guys pointed out with the East. Like, anytime you get a shot in the finals, you got to take it. Like, there's no guarantees you'll be back. So I wonder if, man, if they, you know, they played the Lakers pretty well, but God, like the West is still gonna be freaking good next year. I mean, the Lakers, the Warriors will be back. Remember yeah. them? Like, <laughs> I feel like I'd be stacked. Yeah, and just, and you know, the Clips have a loaded roster. Like, so I wonder if maybe that they're young and, but also they, you know, you always got to capitalize. But um, it seems like their future is really bright. Um, I was reading about their GM saying that now agents call him more. Oh. Um, Whereas a couple of years ago, they like wouldn't answer his calls, Tim Connolly. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, it's an attractive place to play right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they probably bring back Millsap on the veterans minimum, um, and and uh, they need a third piece, and maybe Michael Porter Jr. is that. Um, but I want to see Porter Jr. play in arenas and like the grind of the NBA travel schedule, and like, so I think he still has a lot to prove, but. 
I like his brashness and the way he isn't afraid. And um, so maybe he's that third piece right there, you know. Um, but I'd yeah, love- I, I, I'm sorry. Oh. I, I think even Murray, I'd like to see more of him uh, removed from the bubble because it certainly feels like he went up a level. I, I think Joker was already there. Yeah. Um, and then we got skinny Joker and seemed <laughs> equally great, if if not even better. Uh, and, and now, you know, it, it feels like we need to see Jamal Murray sustain what he was able to prove and, and show in the bubble, too. Uh, but but I'm with you. It feels like they are just like one solid piece away from really being in the title hunt. Yeah. And maybe yeah. that piece is on their team, like you said. I mean, they, sure. they have some depth there. I didn't think uh, Murray should be paid last year, and I I feel like he's mostly proved. But small market teams kind of got a risk bigger because they're not going to get the big free agents. So, uh, but I think you're right. Like we need a little more um, uh, from Murray and the normal grind. That's a fair point. And, and Josh, I want to ask you about Steve Nash. Can't let you go without the, uh, discussing Nash and Brooklyn and the whole Kyrie and um, Kevin Durant uh, dynamic. Do, do you see? How do you see it faring? I mean, this is his first coaching gig. Um, is this kind of too much for him? I mean, we have you know two of the most sensitive players, perhaps in all of sports, <laughs> on the same team. Um, so I love it. I, I, I mean, hey, I, I, I'm a sensitive person, too. But hey, careful, I mean, Justin. You're a blog boy. I, right, I am. 100%. I'll own that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Me, too. Me, too. KD and Kyrie had to have signed off on that. Like, I know oh, the for sure. was they didn't. But, you know, Nash was KD's uh, shooting coach with Golden yeah. State. Like, And it sounds like they developed a great relationship and um, – yeah, I think Nash's reputation is um, pretty stout throughout the league. Just as, and, you know, hopefully Kyrie sees that as like, hey, this dude has accomplished more than me, and um, I should listen to him. You know, I hope so. Um, I mean, Nash was always seen as a little more cerebral than everyone else. I think, um, but uh, you know, yeah, first time coach. You know, who knows? You know, that could go different ways. But like when you're handed talent like that, like Steve Kerr was handed talent. Like, I mean, I think a lot of your job is to not mess it up. Um, so and if the if if that and this is a, a league where you do kind of have to keep players happy, they get paid a lot more. You know, um, this isn't coaching high school, college. This is um, I think it's more of a two way street where um, you do kind of have to. So I think I, I could see him working really well with those guys. I don't know what other pieces they have. Spencer, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Spencer yeah, Didwinnie, Jared yeah. Allen. Mm-hmm. Okay. They've got to figure out um, like what they want to do with um, uh, who's the player that that you really grew to like in, in the bubble. I can't think of his name now, Justin. Um, I'm spacing it. I, I'm blanking on it, but he was basically the the star of the bubble for yeah. them. Oh. Um, I'm blanking too. I'm so blanking on his name, and I apologize. <laughs> yeah, you but know, yeah, no, they they do have good pieces around those guys. If you know, if if they can keep some of those pieces. Yeah, and I'm sure they attract one or two this summer. Um, I feel like those teams being put together tend to attract some veterans, you know. Um, yeah, and I you know think there's some valid um, criticism of like, you know jumping the in the line not putting in your time you know um that's that's true at every level i you know see it in collegiate running like um some guys catch breaks you know i think he he was the gm for canada basketball for quite some time um but yeah coaching's coaching's different so Karis levert by the way okay yeah sorry so i'm getting weak ass <laughs> yeah Yes, for that. So they're going to be interesting to watch. You know, I I feel like Steve Nash, when I've seen him just in interviews, even uh, he gives me that same Steve Kerr vibe, the same Phil Jackson type of vibe. I, I agree. Very zen, very agree. mellow, very mature, which yeah. I think is is obviously crucial when you're coaching Kyrie uh, among others. But um, I I mean I I think he just kind of 
fits a mold of success that we've seen with coaches in the past. Um, so I, I think he's got a real shot um, to to make them title contenders, to be honest. And um, even without seeing these guys on the floor together now, of course, I, I also think it's highly volatile. Uh, anytime you have Kyrie on your roster, I, I just have to say that given what went down with the Celtics, given that he couldn't, um, you know, stay, stay in Cleveland. He didn't, he didn't like that feeling of kind of maybe being under the clutches of LeBron, so to speak, or, or whatever you want to say, which fine, if you want to do your own thing. Um, but I think Kyrie's made a lot of questionable decisions in the past, certainly has <laughs> made some questionable statements, that have fallen flat, pardon the pun. Um, so, uh, so yeah, we, we got to see it's, it's volatile, but I, I love the hire of Steve Nash and, and said as much when it went down. Yeah. Justin, what do you think? Do you think these guys could be title contenders right off the bat? Do you see that? Or is that saying too much? Um, I'm less optimistic. Um, I just, cause of Kyrie, I, I listened to a lot of this podcast that came out. I know he said some controversial things about LeBron in there. And I, I listened to part one, which is very illuminating. Like, I mean, this is a guy who wanted to play for Team Australia because he wanted to make the team. He's not from Australia. <laughs> he wanted to play for Team Australia. I mean, this guy does what he wants to do. Um, he's just very unorthodox. And I, I don't care how good of friends he is with Kevin Durant. The bottom line is when the game's on the line – it's just hard for me to see Kyrie giving up the ball. He's going to want to take the shot and not Kevin Durant. And to me, I mean, we saw how it was with the Golden State Warriors. That seemed to be a very fun locker room. And we saw with Draymond and Kevin Durant, and it was all downhill, and it turned very sour very quickly. And everything was cool before. They had no issues. And that one incident changed everything. So... It's hard for me to believe with two guys who are passionate about the game that are friends, but at the same time, it's on another level. I mean, this is business. I mean, both these guys want to win. And it's kind of like, you know, two people that are married going into business together or two friends that are, you know, they go into business together. The, the dynamic is different. Um, and it is money's involved. I mean, you know, big contracts, legacies on the line here. So based on Kyrie's track record, I, I'm not fairly optimistic and I don't know what Steve Nash can do um, to really rectify that. Um, I have a lot more as much as I, you know, bag on Kevin Durant at times. He's proven himself. I mean, he played on a team with two other scores that demanded the ball and he was successful. And winning and winning titles there, you know. Kyrie has won one, and he had and, and with Boston that seemed to be the best scenario in terms of a young core, and he was a superstar, and you know they failed with with a lot of problems. So I, I don't see this being the best scenario, but I I could could be wrong. Maybe Steve Nash could be the second coming of Phil Jackson, like you said, Matt. I don't know, um, but to me, I just. I'm less optimistic just solely on Kyrie Irving's um, attitude. I think he's a phenomenal player. He, to me, talent-wise, he's probably the best point guard in the league from a pure talent perspective. But from a team perspective, if he had Damian Lillard's attitude, he'd be the best player. He'd be the best player in the league, <laughs> in my opinion. He would if he had Damian Lillard's attitude, but he doesn't, and I think that holds him back. Hmm. I think with like Durant, I feel like even given that he's been oversensitive in the past, I feel like we have a good idea what motivates him. And he's been pretty clear in his messaging about that. Whereas with Kyrie, it's still kind of a question mark to me because like you said, it's like you have this Celtics set up for you, for you to be the alpha, the leader, lead this team to titles maybe. And that didn't work for him uh, for whatever reason. And maybe it was purely chemistry, butting heads with those guys. I, I don't know. Um, but, but I feel like that's, that's what, like if, if I'm Steve Nash and I'm, if I'm in his shoes, I mean, that's the number one critical thing for the Nets, right? Is we got to figure out how to motivate, get the good Kyrie all the time. 
Um, and maybe easier said than done, but, but I, I don't know that I would have any better name to give you than Steve Nash for, for that type of a goal. Sure. I mean, Boston was ready to buy him a plane bus ticket out, plane ticket out. <laughs> yes, they <laughs> were. Sure so yes, they were. True. Challenge is there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, Josh, anything else you wanted to um, add before we, we let you go? Um, please promote your Twitter handle. Anything else you're, you're up to and want people to know about? Uh, yeah, I don't tweet too much, but real Josh C. Um, I mean, I coach Division Two cross country and track, and I teach. So I love talking about these topics. Sociology of sports my favorite class. I'm teaching two sections right now. Um, thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. just a total joy. We'll do it again, yeah. man. We'll do it again. Yeah, for sure. Total Especially joy. if the Nuggets and Suns are in the headlines. We we got to have <laughs> our, our Suns Nuggets correspondent in. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We do. Totally. Absolutely. Now, long overdue. So, Glad to have you on, man. Thanks for coming yeah. on. Thanks for, for sure. having me. Yeah. So with that, um, we'll wrap it up. As always, get in touch with the show through Facebook and Twitter. Um, leave us a review on iTunes. Um, email us at hoopsologypod at gmail.com. And catch us on uh, all your favorite podcasting platforms. We're on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, um, pretty much any kind of a podcasting app of your um, choice. Um, we're on there. Um, so for Matt and Joss, I'm Justin. And uh, we'll see you next time. Enjoy the NBA Finals. Peace. See you guys.